Chapter Five of the Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Five. Here's my boy, Governor. And it was en route to the mansion of the Governor of the State of Harpeth that my uncle, the General Robert, did enlighten me as to the urgent need of me in his affairs of business. It is a question of mules, sir, and of a dishonor to the state that I am going to prevent, if my hot old head is laid low in doing it, as it probably will be, if I get into the ruckus with Jefferson Whitworth that now threatens. They have insinuated themselves into the confidence of the Governor Faulkner, until they have made it well-nigh impossible for him to see the matter except as they put it. They will get his signature to the rental grant of the lands, make a getaway with the money, and let the state crash down upon his head when it finds out that he has been led into bringing it and himself into dishonor. Why, damn it, sir, I'd like to have every one of them, especially Jeff Whitworth, at the end of a halter, and feed him a raw mule, hoof and ears. I'm probably going to be done to death all alone before the pack of wolves, but I'm going to die hard, for Bill Faulkner, who holds in his hands the honor of his state and my state, I'll die hard. And as he spoke the words with such a fierceness that his white mustache, which was waxed with the propriety of the world, divided like crossed silver swords beneath his straight nose with its thin and trembling nostrils. It will be that I can help you protect this honor of the Governor Faulkner and the state of Harpeth, will it not, my Uncle Robert? I asked with a great anxiety. If you must fall on the field of honor, it will be the glory of Robert Carruthers of Gray and B to fall beside you, sir. I am a very good sport, my father has said. God bless my soul, how like Henry you are, boy, exclaimed my uncle, the General Robert, as he did lay one of his long and very strong arms across my shoulder and give to me the embrace for which I had so longed, but for not enough time for me to yield myself to it. Henry always wanted to tag Brother Bob, and he too would have died fighting for me, at my side. I've been hard, and when I heard of his death, I wanted you, boy, I wanted you more. Now what do you mean, sir, by making me forget for one moment the fix Bill Faulkner and I are in? And my uncle, the General Robert, gave to me a good shake, as he extracted his very large white handkerchief and blew upon his nose with such power that the black chauffeur looked around at us and made the car to jump, even as he and I had done. And those mules that it would be your wish to feed to that Mr. Jeff Whitworth, my Uncle Robert, will you not tell me further about them? In Paris it is said that they are very good food when made fat after being old or wounded in the army. I have... That will do, sir. If you've had to eat mule in Paris, don't tell me about it. My constitution wouldn't stand that, though during our war, just before Vicksburg, I ate. But we won't go into that either. Now, this is the situation, as much as a lad from the wilds of Paris could understand it. The French government wants five thousand mules by the fall of the year, and there are no such mules in the world as this state produces. They are sending a man over here to try to make a deal with the state of Harpeth, to purchase the mules from private breeders, graze them on the government lands, and deliver them in a lot for shipment the first of August at Savannah. There is no authority on the statute book for the state to make such a deal. 
but Jeff Whitworth has fixed up a sort of contract that wouldn't hold water in the courts, by which the governor of the state, Williamson Faulkner, grants the grazing rights on the state's land to a private company of which he is to be a member, which, in a way, guarantees the deal. They've made him believe it to be a good financial thing for the state, and he can't see that they are going to buy cheap stock, fatten it on a low rate from the state, and hand it over to the French government as a fancy rake-off, and then leave him with the bag to hold, when the time for settlement and complaint comes. There is a strong Republican party in this state, and they're keeping quiet. But year after next, when Bill Faulkner comes up for re-election, downright illegality will be alleged, and he will be defeated in dishonor, and with dishonor to the state. I am his Secretary of State, and I'm going to save him if I can. And you are going to help me, sir. And as he spoke, my uncle, the General Robert, gave to me a distinguished shake of the hand that made my pride rise in my throat, which gave to my speaking a great huskiness. I will help in the rescue of the honor of that Governor Bill Faulkner, my Uncle Robert, with the last breath in my body, and I will also assist to feed mule to that Mr. Jefferson Whitworth, though not to his beautiful wife, whom I do so much admire. That's just it. She'll have to eat mule the first one. She's at the Governor day and night with her wiles, and in my mind it's her dimity influence that is making him see things with this slant. They say she put her brand on him in early youth, He's the soul of honor, but what chance has a man's soul honor got when a woman wants to cash it in for a fortune which leads to a gay life? None, none, sir. And the countenance of my uncle, the General Robert, became so fierce that it was difficult to find words to answer. Oh, my uncle Robert, is it that a woman would make a cheat in giving the mule animal of not sufficient strength to carry food to poor boys of France in the trenches? when there is too much mud for gasoline i exclaimed with a great horror from knowledge given me by my capitaine the count de lascelles just exactly what she is trying to do boy let those poor chaps with guns in their hands to defend her civilization as well as theirs die for want of a supply train hauled by reliable mules when unreliable gasoline fails and as he spoke I perceived the depth of dislike that was in the heart of my uncle, the General Robert, for all of womankind. There are some women who would not so comport themselves, my uncle Robert. I give you my word as one. Then, as I hesitated in terror at the revelation of my woman's estate I had been about to make, my uncle, the General Robert, made this remark to me. Women are like crows, all black, and the exceptional white one only makes the rest look blacker. The only way to stop them in their depredations is to trap them, since the law forbids shooting them. And as he made this judgment of women, I forgot for a moment that we discussed that Madame Whitworth, whom it was causing me great pain to discover to be the enemy of France. And I thought of my beautiful mother, whom he had judged without ever having encountered. And a great longing rose in my heart so to comport myself that his heart should learn to trust in me as a man, and then discover the honor of woman through me at some future time. I took a resolve that such should be the case, and to that end I asked of him, How is it that I can serve you in these serious troubles, my Uncle Robert? And as I asked that question, I made also a vow in my heart against that black crow woman. Now that's what I'm coming to. The French government is sending an army expert down here to look over the situation and make the contracts. I can't speak their heathenish tongue or read it, 
and I want somebody whom I can trust, trust, mind you, to help me talk with him and make any necessary translations. That Whitworth hussy has been translating for us, and I don't trust her. Your letter was handed to me in the governor's private office, and both he and I saw what a help it would be to have you here when this Frenchy, who was a count something or other, and his servants and secretaries, what he calls his suite, arrive. By George, we need your advice in eating and drinking them. Do you suppose they'll have intelligence enough to eat the manna of the gods, which is corn-pone, and drink the nectar, which is plain whiskey, or will we be expected to furnish them with snails and absinthe? At that I laughed a very large laugh, and made this answer to the perturbation of my uncle, the General Robert. I will tell you after luncheon, my uncle Robert, because I have not as yet eaten in this Harpeth country of America. All right, we'll talk about it after you've had one of old Kizzy's fried chicken dinners. Here we are at the mansion. Remember, you know the whole situation, and are only supposed to know the part that Governor Bill thinks is the whole. Look at me, boy. And as the big car drove up the curve before a great stone house with tall pillars on guard of its front, he laid both his hands upon my shoulders, and turned me towards him with force and no gentleness, and then with his keen eyes did he look down into the very soul of me. Yes, I see I can trust you, sir. God bless you, boy, he said after a very long moment of time. Yes, my Uncle Robert, I answered him without turning my eyes from his. Well, then, here we are. I came to the side door, so I wouldn't have to introduce you to any of the boys this morning, for we want to have a talk with the governor before dinner. And I don't dare keep Kizzy waiting. It riles her. And a riled woman burns up things. Masters, husbands, cooking, or worse. Come on. And as we walked up the broad side steps of that mansion of the governor, my Uncle Robert's hand was on my arm and I felt that I was being marched up to the mouth of the gun of fate, and I wished very much I could have been habited in my corduroy or cheviot skirts, no matter how short or narrow they might be. A number of gentlemen sat upon the wide veranda, smoking pipes or long cigars, under the budding rose-vine that trailed from one tall pillar to another, and more stood and talked in groups beside the large front door that opened into the wide hall. At the back of the hall, before a closed door, stood a very large black man who was very old and bent, and who had tufts of white wool of the aspect of a sheep upon his head. He was attired in a long gray coat of a military cut, that I afterwards learned was of the late Confederacy, and I soon had much affection for him, because of his reminiscences of that war, and also because of his affection for my noble father, to whom he had told the same stories in his early youth. My uncle, the General Robert, had not paused to present me to any of the gentlemen with whom he had exchanged jovial greetings. But he stopped beside the old black man and said, This is Henry's boy, Robert, Cato. Fine young chap, eh? Yes, sir, Master Robert, answered Cato as he peered into my face with the nicest affection in his black eyes set in large spaces of white. Like Henry, isn't he? For God, yes, sir. Look after him, Cato. He'll be about considerable. Dat I will, Mass Henry's boy. No lobby and dimity chasin him, Cato. Yes, sir, I understand, sir. Is the governor ready for me? Yes, sir, you goes right in, Master Robert. 
Mr. Clendenning is with him just now, but he'll be out in a turkey's call a time. Just walk in, sir, and you, the young masser. And with a bow that almost allowed that the tails of the long gray coat swept the floor, the old black man opened the door and motioned us into the room of the governor of the state of Harpeth. It has been given to me in the very short time of my life to be often in the home of the President of France, to be presented at the court of England with my father, to the Tsar at Petrograd, and to the old Franz Joseph, as well as to the beloved Albert and Elizabeth in Brussels, where I did go often to play with the young princess. And I do know very well how to manage skirts, whether very tight or very wide with ruffles, in the case of such presentations, but my heart rose very high up, and beat so near the roots of my tongue that it was impossible for me to speak. As I was presented, in the traveling tweeds of a young man of American fashion, to the very wonderful and beautiful and fearful Governor William Faulkner of the state of Harpeth. Here's my boy, Governor, was all the introduction my uncle, the General Robert, administered to me. And I stood and looked into the face of him, whom afterwards I discovered to be the greatest gentleman in the world, with my heart beating in my throat, and yet a stir under my woman's breast in the place it had always before resided. End of chapter 5